Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Thursday night, talking ball, Giants, QA, and live chat. Sitting here, a little bit of different look in my podcast studio. Didn't want those audio issues to cut into what we are doing here that we had last week. So, um, you know, going like we do after the post games, keeping it authentic and bringing the Giants information right to you. Michael, Rick, Hunter, Jake, what's going on? Great to be here. Um, want to talk to you about Saquon Barkley playing against the Jets. Want to talk to you about the trade deadline. Who's going to be available? Who's not? Will the Giants make some moves? Will they stand pat? What is Justin Pugh doing to improve the camaraderie in the locker room? And do I have any good stories out of the locker room? Yes, I do this week. Yes, some some good stories about a team that's trying to keep its season alive by beating the Jets here. First, real quick, want to tell you about Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week. Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season with MLB postseason, NFL, and college football and NFL in full swing. NHL as well. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus at your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Screwball Thursday. That's right, Rick. I got it going. Hope you do too. I was debating whether or not to break out the screwball because I feel like it's got to be an official sponsorship or I, I can't keep pushing their product. You know what I mean? We got to get them on board here. We got to get the screwball sign behind the wall and uh, you know, we get, we got to get that official, right? But cheers to you all. All right. Glad to be back too, Hunter. Rick says, what are you hearing inside quest? Well, I think the most interesting thing I heard uh, this week, as far as a big name and relevant to the game, is what Saquon Barkley told us here today, Thursday. Saquon said that he it still weighs heavy on his mind that he had 13 carries for one yard the last time the Giants played the Jets in a regular season game, 2019. And he said his brother was giving him a hard time about it the other day. We all know the story of how Saquon Barkley's dad is a Jets fan. And Saquon, as a kid, was rooting for the Jets because his dad was. And so what am I most interested about coming out of the locker room so far this week is Saquon's making this personal a little bit, right? And he wasn't saying it with any kind of animosity or anything, but it's exciting for a Giants team that isn't scoring a lot for a Giants team that is just barely getting by the Washington commanders by the skin of their teeth there, thanks to a really good defensive effort. Again, hearing Saquon say, I really want to kind of make it right because of how I played so poorly last time I played the Jets. I think if you're a Giants fan, you have to be excited about that. And we all remember the worst thing about that game against the Jets wasn't that he had one yard rushing, it was that play where Jamal Adams ran him over and then took the ball straight out of Daniel Jones's hands and scored a touchdown. Right. So that was a, that was brutal. Um, but Saquon hoping to make some better memories. And interestingly enough, all coming in a week where Brian Dable says flat out that he walked up to Saquon Barkley last week on the practice field at walkthrough and told him they're not trading him. Very interesting that the head coach would say something that definitively about Saquon Barkley, because let's just face it. Let's just say you don't want to trade Saquon Barkley, right? Let's say you think it's crazy to do so and 99% chance you wouldn't do it. If the Giants lose this game and some team offers you a third round pick for a guy who you really might not, uh, you know, resign after the season because you might not agree to uh, the same contract structures, that type of thing, right? how can you say definitively you're not going to trade a player when an offer might blow you out of the water? That's how I see that. But uh, interesting, obviously, that they say they're not going to trade him. 
But there's other names out there who Brian Dable did not walk up and assure that they're not going to trade him, right? So um, let me get to your questions, but I wanted to lead with the idea that Saquon and making it personal against the Jets in a week where Brian Dable says they're not trading him uh, before Tuesday's 4 p.m. deadline on Halloween, I think is an extremely interesting storyline here. Uh, Remember, right before I get into the questions here, we do these twice a week. We do them after every game. So it should be an awesome live chat post game on Sunday from MetLife Stadium. Jets, Giants. Uh, can't wait to see what the split is on the fans in the building on a Giants home game. Considering the way their first two home games went against the Cowboys and Seahawks, I'm wondering if some tickets will be sold on the secondary market and there might be more green in the stands than Giants fans would like. I have no idea. I'll be fascinated even to see that. Uh, it's a big game for ownership on both sides, for the organizations and franchises top down. Just a lot riding on a game like this. But remember always to subscribe if you don't already to our page, to hit those like buttons, those thumbs ups. Uh, when we do these live chats, that helps get the word out on YouTube and it pushes it to everybody to join our community. Remember, you can pay for a super chat or super sticker so that um so that your comment gets elevated to the top and I will answer it immediately. We also do that. A lot of people have started to do that lately and it has really added some, uh, some life to these chats. And uh, of course the diehards are all here and I really appreciate you guys. Okay. So Jake says, Micah McFadden, all pro season programming resumes this Sunday at 1 PM. Tune in. Micah has been having a really good year. And I thought Wink Martindale made an interesting point today at the podium Somebody said, hey, Micah McFadden's played pretty well the last two weeks. And Martindale said, I think he's pretty, played pretty well all season. And I agree with that. If you remember, it's hard to remember anyone playing well in the Dallas game because they got blown out 40 to nothing. But Dexter Lawrence and Micah McFadden came ready to play that night. It's just the game got away from the team so quickly that uh, it was really hard to think it mattered or even you know necessarily notice probably if you're watching at home, especially if you turned it off at halftime, right? Uh, so. In that sense, um, I get why people are saying, well, you know, now the team is competing in games at least. And so it's easier to notice a guy standing out. But Micah has been uh, a pretty solid tackler this year. He has a nose for the football. He's playing off Bobby Okereke very well and really just had an excellent offseason that is resulting in a really good, um, you know, regular season so far for him. Rick Bowman says, terrific article on the team dinners and what Justin Pugh brings to the room. So yeah, quick explanation of what Rick is talking about. I posted a story tonight on the Daily News website. You'll be able to see it in the Daily News tomorrow, and I will repost it tomorrow a.m. on all my platforms. Justin Pugh, now Daniel Jones and the Giants have done dinners before. It's not like Justin Pugh is the first player to organize a dinner. Daniel Jones actually told me he, he still takes the receivers out on Fridays. Uh, but Justin Pugh came in and he was telling me on my podcast, on this podcast, Talking Ball with Pat Leonard back in August, that he really believes like wherever he was going, he wanted to start doing O-line dinners. And that's something he always believed in and always has done. When he was with the Arizona Cardinals, he used to have people over his house every Thursday and have dinners there. The idea being to build camaraderie off the field, it'll help on the field as well. And so when he got here, the second he got in the lineup, the Buffalo Bills week, it started. And so now Thursdays, 6.30 p.m., Justin Pugh, the rest of the offensive linemen, and the Giants quarterbacks, it's mandatory. They all go out to dinner at a local steakhouse. They've been rotating around to different ones. And uh, frankly, I couldn't get any specific names out of them because they might be revisiting some of these places. And so, uh, you know, they want to keep it a little bit uh, secret and kind of, uh, private. Right. But, you know, you say like 15 to 17 offensive linemen, including the practice squad, active roster, et cetera, Daniel Jones going to them, Tyrod Taylor, et cetera. And these are, I was talking to Evan Neal, Sean Harlow on the practice squad who played with Pew in Arizona, uh, Ben Bredesen, Justin Pugh, Daniel Jones. The story I did really reflects, I think that something like this does matter and reinforces what I've been saying all along is that Pew's value is not just as a player. It's also as a glue guy. And uh, that's something Sean Harlow told me. Harlow actually told me flat out. He said, you know, this guy's one of the best teammates I've ever had. 
He said that in Arizona, when Pew tore his ACL and was out of the picture, the vibe in the locker room changed and the, in the offensive line room changed, that he really is that um, integral to the way a team can operate, a line can operate, and the way guys can gel together. So I encourage you to take a look at that story. But in a nutshell, uh, the story I just told you is the story you'll find on the Daily News website, but with a lot more color and some really funny quotes from Pew Bredesen, and even revealing quotes about how much it means from Evan Neal, Daniel Jones, and some of these other linemen. So I encourage you to check that out. Jake says, is Andrew Thomas finally playing, do you think? I don't think so, Jake. I don't know for sure. Um, the reason I say I don't think so is, first of all, he's been limited the last two days. When we saw him on Wednesday, it was like he was barely doing anything. He was doing band work. Um, you know, So they had a band tied to uh, a goalpost. And he was doing sets as if he would be doing them in a game, but not facing against anybody, not making contact with anybody and doing them very lightly. Evan Neal, frankly, has had his stuff taped up, his feet taped. Um, he looks like a guy who's trying more to go, but still has been battling that ankle. So I'm not exactly sure whether he will go, especially because Tyree Phillips played pretty well. Um, you know, held his own in his first game back with the Giants last week. Uh, but this is what's interesting, Jake, and I think you guys will all like this. And Joel, it looks like you asked about the health of the offensive line too. So I will fold this into your answer as well. So the Giants have been taking their offensive line behind their practice bubble in East Rutherford at the Quest Diagnostics Training Center. So when you see all those videos and photos that I post of the fields, Think of it as there's two fields like this and one behind it. And then on the side, there's a big, huge indoor facility where they have an indoor field. What the Giants have been doing over the last maybe three weeks or so, they have started taking their offensive line with that, with that uh, behind that building and out of sight from us so that we can't see what they're doing for either most of the time we're out there or in today's case, Thursday's case, the entire time. And the quarterbacks and the linemen were behind the building. There was actually one Friday where we were on the backfield. That's where they are on Fridays. They took the offensive line inside the bubble on the day where the team was practicing outside so that when they lined up and did their initial work while we were out there, we couldn't see their starting five. This is how the Giants are operating right now. And this is how they're operating really carefully when it comes to injuries like Ronnie Barnes, um, and Lee Weiss from the medical staff were standing back there with Joe Shane and Brian Dable watching the offensive linemen and the quarterbacks. We couldn't see the players, but we could see them watching the players. And so these are the, you know, the six degrees of separation of ridiculousness that we're going through right now. But Joel, Jake, the answers or the questions about the offensive line, I think my best read on the situation is it looks like if anybody has a chance to come back, it's, it might be John Michael Schmitz, the rookie center. But frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the same line out there on Sunday that we saw against Washington. So that would be Justin Pugh, left tackle, Marcus McKeithen, left guard, Ben Bredesen center, um, Mark Lewinsky, right guard, and Tyree Phillips, right tackle. So that that's as I sit here now, that's what I see. Uh, but like I said, you know, even though he's laboring, Evan Neal has had his cleats taped up legitimately and like looks like he's trying to go. But then again, he's been limited both days. And Wednesday, he was standing there next to Andrew Thomas, uh, not doing a ton as well on the bands while the rest of the linemen were working together. So hope that answers your question. That's kind of where the full picture stands right now. Matt Smith says, obviously, there is no quarterback controversy because Joe Shane and Ryan Dable aren't going to tell John Mara that the guy who they paid $160 million to is now benched. But I really do wonder what happens if Tyrod can win versus the Jets. So, Matt, I, I appreciate that, uh, that question because it really does hit to the heart of the way Giants fans are viewing the team, reacting to the team, and really what's going on with the team, of course, is the offense has looked a little bit more capable the last couple of weeks with Tyrod and Tyrod has looked good. This is how, this is what I saw in practice when, when he first got to the team in 2022. So I was trying to tell people, I'm like, you guys don't understand when Daniel Jones is playing poorly, Tyrod looks good. He should play. That's what I was saying back then. If he didn't turn it around, you know, Tyrod might play. That's what I was saying. 
Um, so you guys are seeing what I saw, you know, a year and a half ago on the practice fields. Just you guys don't get to see it. But this is why everybody thought I was trying to like ship Daniel Jones out of town. Then all I was doing was saying what I saw. This is what I saw. And also what people in the organization saw, like people in the building saw it. You know, I'm not the only one. It's not that I just saw it. There's people talking about it too. Um, that that always gets me, that gets me fired up because it's it's always like a time delay on people agreeing with you. But initially you get trolled and crushed for it. And then on the back end, everyone maybe starts seeing the same thing you do and suddenly articulating the thing that you said before. But when it wasn't popular, people dunk on you, right? It's, it's crazy. Anyway, um, Matt, I think, okay, to hit on that they're not going to tell John Mara that the guy they paid all this money is now benched. So I think the first part of this is that Daniel Jones's neck injury is, was more serious than what they let on. So he's not playing right now because he's hurt. And they, you know, they have not been straightforward with a lot of injuries this year. And this is another one where you continually hear trying to get better, feel better every day. He feels good. We'll see. Da, 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 da. You can't believe any of that. You have to completely ignore it. And you have to know that if he's not cleared, he's not playing. Right. So Tyrod Taylor expected to play in this game. Daniel's not cleared. Right. Like that's, that's just the bottom line. Um, I do think the plan initially here was Tyrod was going to be the bridge quarterback this year. So right now that's kind of what he looks like, except you already paid Daniel. Um, I would say this, I don't know. This is just talking uh, conceptually. I'm not saying that there's a split here. I'm just saying, you know, if Brian Dable thinks that Tyrod Taylor is best for the team at quarterback, could that be related to him in a press conference last week saying, talking about it's about the team first. We have to put the team first. When he went on that thing in the post-game press conference, nobody knows exactly what he was talking about. Could he have been talking about we have to make decisions at these key positions that are best for the team? I don't know. But could there be a situation where Joe Shane at some point wants to play the, play the guy he paid, but Brian Dable wants to play the guy he thinks is better for the team to win that week. These things happen with GMs and coaches. I do think Dable and Shane, they're here together. They're connected. They have that history together. They're, they're a package deal, right? Also, this is something that's important to remember. Joe Shane has a lot of impact and input and uh, say-so and decision-making power on how the team looks on Sunday. Like the team that you see on the field Sunday, it's not like Joe Shane, the GM, picks the players for the 90-man and the 53-man and all that, and then the coaches make the decisions for game day. Joe Shane's involved in everything, who's active on Sunday, where they're playing, all that stuff. Then the coaches get into the schemes. But for a GM, like he's about as close to a baseball general manager as you can be in the NFL. So whoever's playing is the GM making the decision as well as the coach. Um, I don't... I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that they can't, and I'll get to everybody else's questions. I know this is a huge, uh, this is a huge talking point, but Matt, I'll circle back on this. But another thing I would say is if Tyrod wins against the Jets and plays well and the offense scores a ton, ton of points, there's going to be more to talk about. And whether they want to talk quarterback controversy or not, it's going to be right on our front doorstep. So all those things I said, the bottom line is, we're already looking at this like, well, wait a second. Say what you want about Daniel Jones, but look how the team responds to Tyrod Taylor. Look how the team plays with Tyrod Taylor. Like, it's just going to be a reality, and the Giants aren't going to be able to ignore it, regardless of what ownership thinks. We'll come back to that. Jake, what's going on? How you doing? We don't, don't want to trade Saquon Barkley. Well, yep, good news. Brian Dable said you're not going to. Um, do you expect a Dory Jackson to play, says Antonio. What's up, Antonio? Um I do not at this moment, as you and I sit here right now, uh, like today, I think I saw him out there for a little bit and then he just kind of sat down on a bench. I mean, he had his uniform on, but it just doesn't look like he's doing much, which for the trade deadline purposes is also unfortunate because um, for the trade deadline purposes, Adoree actually would be a guy that maybe you could move and they're not moved. Maybe they can't move 
because um, of the money he's making, but also if he's hurt, that makes it maybe even more difficult to offload a Dory. Tuto, Tuto weighs in with the super chat, the super sticker, $4.99. Thank you, Tuto has become quickly a loyal, loyal follower here on the at PL on NFL YouTube channel. Gives us a great example of uh, jazzing up the chat here. Says, massive salutes and respect to Big Boss Pat and all diehard Giants fans in America. Greetings from our entire rugby club in Italy. 4.02 a.m. here now. Tudo, can't can't, uh, thank you enough. We realized this last week, too. And Tudo, I realized this as well um, with with you saying um, that, you know, so you're over in Italy. And then um, we had... Who else, who else here was in Australia? Was it um, one of our one of our followers? Is it Jake? Somebody is in Australia and was weighing in after the game the other day at 3 a.m. their time. Woke up. I believe it was Jake. Said he woke up in the middle of the night to talk Giants. Yep. And to talk our live chat. And that's another thing I want to stress to everybody here, whether you're new, whether you're your returner here. What we are doing here and what we can do, thanks to you guys, is we can connect across the world about this team that you love. And I can't stress enough that what I'm bringing to you is raw information that a lot of times what I'm doing now, like I write my stories and I put a ton of information and knowledge and insight into my stories, but I am saving now a lot of great stuff for you guys, right? I want to download it with you, the people who are supporting me, supporting us, who are true diehards, and who want to have a civil and an informative and great conversation about it. Like, I really, I really do value this. Like, I'm not blowing smoke. I really do value this. I think the international element of what we're building here is excellent as well. Um, It really is. Tudo, thank you so much. Uh, $4.99, super chat, super sticker. And um, any questions you have, Drop them in and I will get to them right away, Tuto. So hit me up and uh, we will get right to that. What's up to the entire rugby club over there? There he is. This is our normal life here. We wake up 3, 3.30 a.m. and start our daily workouts at 4, 4.30 a.m. and grind all day and dominate game time, boss. Wow. Man, there's a, there's a man with some energy and some fire in his belly. We need all the Giants to have Tuto's energy. This Sunday against the Jets. Cheers from Screwball, by the way. <coughs> All right. So <coughs> Antonio wanted to know if Adore would play. I don't think so at the moment. Uh, neck injury. And interesting how it will affect maybe the trade deadline. Jake says we should trade Leonard Williams. He is a waste of cap. Um, yeah, also like – so I put <coughs> – the guys I put on my list of guys – who could be traded even with Saquon being ruled out Paris Campbell, the wide receiver, I think makes a lot of sense if they could trade him offload a couple million, get a late round pick swap, like a, you know, they send a seventh and and Paris Campbell and get a sixth from somebody. He makes sense to me. Uh, Leonard Williams, a guy you could clear money now. And then also he's attractive because he's a D line piece. who could help a contender on a deep defensive line. Right. And, Let's just face it, unless Leonard is just considering playing for a couple million dollars next year, which I find hard to believe after what he's making now. Um, and not he doesn't need the money anymore, but unless he does something like that and says, you know what, I just want to be a giant for the next two years and I'll take a couple million to do it, you know, the next two years. <clears throat> unless he does something like that, it's very difficult to imagine being able to bring him back. It's the same reason why Joey Jackson that, that idea, contract up, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to pay him what he feels he's worth and what he might be able to get elsewhere. So if you're going to lose him after this, might as well look around. Xavier McKinney even, like he's he'd be difficult to replace a free safety, I think, right now on the team, which makes it unlikely. But, you know, he'd be looking for a new contract after this year. If they can't franchise tag or don't want to franchise tag a player like him, he's also got a big-powered agent now, David Mulageta, who will not settle for – bottom dollar or even a lower single dollar um, and has gotten a lot of money for his clients. And if the giants aren't all in on paying Xavier McKinney, 
which I'm not sure they will be. I don't know. We'll see if they are. And Xavier's a good player. But again, like those are the players outside of Barkley, who again has been ruled out by Dable, who to me, there's reasons contractually based on their role in the team, based on what are you going to do next year. They all make sense. And Leonard Williams is certainly one of them. Now, if they beat the Jets, Leonard Williams is not getting traded because the Giants are going to say, okay, we got two wins in a row. Our schedule is softened now. We got the Raiders. We got the Patriots. We can do this. We can turn it around and you know, make something out of this season because the fact of the matter is, even more than the quarterback situation, John Mara and Steve Tisch, they want fans in the seats and they want to stop being a laughing stock. And that's what they've been for a lot of time, a lot of years. And, um, you know, obviously they're at fault for a lot of that. But um, this season, whether fans are encouraged about, hey, maybe we can keep rebuilding, uh, John Mara and Steve Tisch don't want to just lose games here. And that's why you're seeing the emergency uh, work done to their offensive line through all these acquisitions of them going to get players and bringing players back who they cut. <laughs> By the way, it seems like a lot of the players that they cut, they bring back and it's like, well, why did you cut them in the first place? Right? So these are players like Jay Sean Corbin, Tyree Phillips, people we all told you shouldn't have been cut in the first place. Uh, it wasn't just me either. Hunter says, who are the guys we lose this week could be gone. Leo Adori may be a surprise. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, so you were asking about those trade guys. I want to hit on Paris Campbell again a little bit. Paris went from, <clears throat> I think it was averaging mid 40s, like 46 snaps a game from the first two weeks to 20 snaps a game in the next three. And then he played zero snaps uh, against the Bills on offense and four against Washington. It's a guy who all offseason looked like he was going to be a huge factor, who was a major factor in what they were building. Uh, was playing a lot with Daniel Jones, was on all those, uh, you know, trips and doing offseason throwing and all that stuff and was an exciting addition, frankly, in a catch-and-run offense especially. And um, once Wandale Robinson came into the lineup, uh, Paris Campbell not only got phased out, he got completely eliminated eventually uh, from what they are doing. And I believe he has 16 catches, of course, was struggling to get some run after the catch, uh, was kind of being put in a lot of spots, frankly, where he was getting brought down before he could even really turn up field is the way I was seeing it, where I remember a lot of his catches. But the bottom line is this is a veteran and a player who's good enough not to just be wasting away on the bench. I mean, he's worked at kick return in the last couple of weeks. But um, if another team wanted him, it would make logical sense to give him somewhere where he can go play. And then also maybe get an extra, you know, six round pick next year. Cause we all know Joe Shane has used that draft capital in the past to move around the board. And um, that could be valuable, especially because they also have Sterling Shepard on the roster. They have Paris Campbell on the roster. They have Wondell Robinson on the roster. Um, you know, a lot of these different options. Um, so, you know, Paris is one I would reiterate to me makes sense. Um, you know, so we'll see. Rick says the giants have less than a million uh, in cap space for the NFLPA, assuming they have to make a move, what will it be if they can't create it with a trade? Um, you know, you can do, you can just kick money down the road on some contracts, um, do some minor restructures. Um, you know, I think, you know, Joe Shane has in the past looked at contract extensions mid-season and then when you do that maybe you can kick some money around and move them around um i do think though that rick you hit on it it's a good point that cap wise offloading one of these deals give you gives you some operating room the rest of the year and maybe even some carryover into next season depending on um how big of a contract you offload so rick man you sound like the expert right now I love it. I love it. That was great insight. And what he's talking about, everybody, Rick, is uh, what Rick's talking about is you also just need operation room for your salary cap. So, you know, when you call a guy up from the practice squad onto the active roster, or you sign a guy from the practice squad to the active roster and all that, like all those hundred thousand dollars or extra tens of thousand dollars that you're paying every week, that stuff adds up. Um, and so, you know, we've seen it under Gettleman and under Shane where the Giants just cap wise, they end up like last season. I mean, it was crazy. They were just constantly um, signing guys to the practice squad and elevating them 
and trying to keep the keep the price down rather than signing a player they knew they need every week to the active roster right away just because they didn't have the money, right? And so players were having to accept that in order to just be a part of the team. Um, and so a lot of roster mechanics going on, and that's what they'll have to do, probably even if they clear some space, unless they were to clear like Leonard Williams uh, in a trade, which if they let's, – let's face it, guys. I'd be curious what you think. You tell me. If they lose to the Jets, do you think they should have – uh, you know, or try to have like a fire sale of sorts where they listen to offers on all the guys I'm talking about, where they shop some of them and where they even do try to shop Saquon or like Jake said, he doesn't want to trade Saquon. Right. So in your mind is a loss to the jets reason to just sell, 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 um, or even a loss to the jets. Does that make you still say, well, I don't want to offload all these guys. I, let me know what you think. Uh, Hunter says, would you also say Saquon would still want to try to get a deal done this offseason once again to stay here? That's a good question, Hunter. Um, I don't think Saquon wants to leave New York or the Giants, but I also think, well, I know because he says that all the time, but I also think that part of it too is like, he's not going to get up there and say he wants to leave New York. He doesn't want to be a giant and you know, force his way out of town, say, I demand to be traded, that kind of thing. Like, I don't think that's his style. I think he's had that window and opportunity to do that. And we've seen him choose uh, other avenues of either venting his frustration or operating and proceeding. And I think if a change happens, it's not going to be Saquon saying, you know, screw this, I'm out, right? Um, So I do think if next year the Giants say, hey, we really want to get to the negotiating table and keep you here, I think Saquon would certainly listen in earnest, but you know, I think he wants to hit the open market. And you know, so after this season if he's still a giant, I think he would want to hit the open market. Now, getting getting franchise tagged, he would end up making some good money this year and next year in guaranteed, fully guaranteed money, right? So maybe he would just take that extra franchise tag and recognize, listen, you know, I don't know how long my career is going to be, but I'm still getting paid pretty well to be a running back and a face of franchise player in New York for the Giants. Not bad. And then after the second franchise tag, where do we go from here? Right. Um, but that'll depend, too, on how the rest of the season goes. I do think that he will not forget how negotiations went and were handled this past offseason. Granted, there were mistakes made on his end as well with his agent and not accepting certain deals they got early on in the process. Um, but I guess I'm rambling a little bit, Hunter. My answer would be, I think Saquon would be curious what else was out there. Um, but he wouldn't necessarily want to say I'm out. Um, so I think he would entertain the giants and it would be probably difficult for him to separate from it. But I've said this before over the last couple of years, I think Saquon going somewhere else and being a player who could complement an offense rather than have to be the focal point would be amazing for his football career. Right. Being in New York is great for him from a business standpoint, from a life standpoint. But I do think like being on a team, like I'm just throwing out there like a Chiefs or Bills or whatever. Like if he were on one of these teams where he could touch the ball 15 times a game instead of 25 or whatever and play half the snaps he does and get them in high leverage, big play schemed up for him situations. Like I think it would lengthen his career. Now, does he want to go to nowhere to do that? No. Um, so, but those are the things I think you have to weigh if you're him. Joel says a lot of talk this week about Carl Banks and his weekly spot on the fan got heated. What is your overall take on Kayvon? I kind of agree with Brandon Tierney from FAN. Um, yeah, I think, I think calling, saying Kayvon is not a good player is wrong and saying that he is fine and is doing everything you wanted him to when you drafted him a fifth overall is not true either. Like I, you know, I think Kayvon has made some big plays in big spots since he got into the league, especially as a, as a rookie specifically is what I'm talking about. Washington, Baltimore, some of those kind of games. Um, I do think though, where you drafted him and what you need him to be drafting him at that spot, you want more. Um, I do not think he's the reason the team is struggling right now. Um, Dropping that interception was terrible. Uh, He knows that. He said that. That was a huge mistake. So room to improve for sure. I mean, especially 
playing on a line where Dexter's getting double teamed and Leonard Williams is there, I mean, you would want and think and hope that he would have more sacks um, and more maybe massive plays and difference making plays that he has made. But I'm not watching every game saying, where the heck is Kayvon? Why is he not making this play or that play? Like I, I see him chasing down the quarterback and, and uh, giving the offensive lineman a hard time. And um, I, I would actually say the thing that has surprised me early on the most this season was, like, for example, in the Miami game, uh, he was not defending the run particularly well there. And actually, as a rookie, he was very good at setting the edge. And, um, you know, I think for Kayvon, I don't know if, you know, comparing him to Parsons, like he's not as explosive as Michael Parsons. He's just not, you know, and um, he doesn't look as explosive as a pass rusher as Aiden Hutchinson. Right. But I do think that he makes plays, but you'd like to see him make more and bigger plays. Uh, So room to improve for sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly it's not unfair to critique and criticize a fifth overall pick for not doing as much as you would think. That's what I would say. Uh, Evan Neal is a bust beyond bust, says Jake. I say we move him to left guard. Jake, I think um, that's what I find most interesting about the cave on talk is. I mean, you're talking about a top pick Joe Shane made that is not working out. It's obviously Evan, right? Um, So not, not that it's not, it's also fair to criticize Kayvon, but of course, Evan is the one, the glaring one right now. There's the injury concerns that have happened both years. There's also the performance that he needs to improve, which he knows well. And um, is he a bust? I, you know, it's still early. Andrew Thomas figured it out three years in. Now Thomas did have kind of like a chronic ankle thing. He had to get fixed. And then once he did turned it, you know, once he was healthy, he was that player that they drafted him to be right. Um, I do think they should consider other options with Evan Neal along the front, things that would help him help the team. I also wonder, Frank, I, just to be totally honest, I wonder how the home crowd will react when he's there. Is the time that has passed between his comments and him being on the field, will that be forgiven? Um, I know it won't be forgotten, but will it be forgiven? Will there be booze? Will it be nasty? Um you know, we all saw what happened with like Evan Ingram when he was here at the end with drop passes and fans like cheering when he got when he ran off the field and booing when he came on the field, that kind of stuff. Even booing him for a drop pass at a at a, a you know a Giants practice in the stadium. I'll never forget that in the preseason. So um, that's what I wonder about too. Jake is kind of will Evan be able to survive here after what he said and how he's played, and will it will the situation settle? I do like Evan. Like I, I, you know, I, I do like him. I think he tries. Um, but you know, again, fair, fair to criticize. Um, he needs to be better for sure. And, um, I was the one who reported, of course, that he was playing for several weeks on that ankle as well. And, um, you know, clearly that was bothering him too. I'm not, I don't think that's an excuse for his play at all, but, uh, you know, you need him to get healthy too. Giants Chronicles, what's up? Says Pat, what have you heard about how Giants are going to handle the trade deadline? Have to ship a Dory off considering cap situation. Yeah, you just wonder based on a Dory's play this year and his money whether uh, they'll be able to get anything for him. Um, so, and I also addressed a lot of this earlier too. I'm sure you had asked that question before I talked about the trade guy, the trade pieces. Uh, Giants Chronicles also says medical staff needs to go. Please, same with the strength and coach code. Strength, oh, strength and conditioning staff. The medical staff has been here a long time, and the team has been injured a long time. Coaches get fired. Um, team remains injured. This is why I get frustrated, too, when I hear people say, oh, Aziz Ojolari is always hurt. Like, Aziz Ojolari played every game as a rookie under Joe Judge when they were practicing harder. And now that they get rest days and they don't practice as hard, he gets injured a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe he needs a different program than someone else. Or maybe the program that they're running isn't working because they did it all to keep the team healthy. And look at all the guys in the injury report. Look how many guys are hurt. Uh, you know, Giants, Giants Chronicles, tell me. I'm telling you, I, you know, this is something that gets frustrating. He also says, please promise me one thing, Pat. If Tyrod balls out on Sunday, you guys will press Dable about it and say, why wouldn't you want him to start? So, 
We're on it. I mean, trust me. Like this week, he was asked again, is Daniel your starting quarterback when he gets healthy? And he said yes. And Daryl Slater from NJ.com said, why? And Dable said, I'm not getting into that. So that's that's where we left it, right? So the next, if, if they play well, if Tyrod balls out, if they beat the Jets and he plays great and it's clear that they're getting better quarterback play again, you know, that, that conversation is going to take the next step. It's going to have to take the next step, right? It's going to have to take the next step. Tudo says, big boss, Pat, I'll never be able to play in the NFL if a player is not wearing a same color Jersey than mine on the pitch. He's going down fast and hard and is not getting up no more. He'll be body slammed and tackle hard. Love it, Tudo. Yeah. You rugby guys are different. Hunter says, do you think Justin Pugh is in the Giants future past this year, possibly bring him back for next year? I do. I, I, that's an inch. That's a good point, Hunter. Um, he actually, if you guys haven't listened, um, he said on his podcast, the net worth podcast, I, it was like a passing comment he made in the last episode, this past episode he did about, um, something about, you know, playing with the giants now and who knows down the road, like I do like playing and this and that. Right. And I think his fit here has been really good, right? So as long as he's healthy and playing football, knock on wood, like he he is clearly extremely glad to be back. And I think the organization is glad to have him back. Remember, go check my story out on, on Daily News website. I'll actually, I'll post it in here um, so you guys can see it as well. And you'll have the link ready to go. Um, let's see. All right, so here it is for whenever you need it. Don't leave the chat, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's where we have it. Want to remind you real quick, um, you know, super chats and super stickers get us going as Tudo showed you on this chat. Love it, thank you, Tudo. Uh, it's a way to pay and have your comment and question emailed or addressed immediately. We do these twice a week, Thursday night football halftime, and after you, after every Giants game, the one after the Jets game is going to be fire. I can't wait for that. And also remember, we have the Talking Ball podcast going here on Believe Network, Apple, Pod, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And obviously I'm on YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok at PL on NFL, and on Twitter at P Leonard NYDN. If you don't already, please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube page here. Uh, the community is only growing. I got more stuff in the works coming that I think you guys will really like. Um, so looking forward to kind of unveiling some of that as we go. And I have a couple more good stories to tell you here before we get out of here. And I see a couple of questions here too. So get to the questions first, tell you some stories and we'll get out of here. Be looking forward to Sunday and my coverage of the team leading up to that. All right. So Hunter says low grade fire sale, Leo Paris Adori. Yeah, I'm with you. Back to my question about the, uh, to you guys about the um, trade deadline, right? Matt says at two and six, I think it's a fire sale. Seven seed wild card is possible, but all you get is a trip to San Francisco in round one. Need some picks back, especially since Shane loves to trade up. I agree. Rick says Paris, anytime Leo and Adori traded makes financial sense. Not McKinney. His play the last two weeks has been good. Yes, it has. Um, yeah, Tudo says, well said. Appreciate it. Uh, Giants Chronicles says, Jesus, you guys should have destroyed T Mac for some of those answers he had today. Oh, oh, can I just say something real quick? His answer about Eric Gray talking about the wind patterns being different with the tra the racetrack building being knocked down next to the stadium. I mean, come on. Like, get a grip. Get, get away from me. Like, I was joking. Like, if anybody writes a story about how Eric Gray can't field punts because the wind patterns change in MetLife Stadium, like, you're, you're not allowed in the media room, right? Like, get – Get out of here. Get lost. Listen, I said this before. I'll say it again. Thomas McGahee, after that week one loss against Dallas, where he wouldn't tell us anything, wouldn't even revisit a play, like, goodbye. Like, you know, disrespectful to our time, uh, unaccountable for what happened in the game, wouldn't even revisit it, wouldn't talk about it. Like, get a grip. Get a grip. Rick says, which assistant coach – are you most interested in speaking with tomorrow and why? Shay Tierney, quarterback coach, might be interesting. I think Bobby Johnson, uh, this didn't come up in our live chat yet today, but, you know, my report last week about Brian Dable taking over the offensive meetings 
I asked Mike Kafka about it today. Obviously, he said very little. Claimed that Dable's always been involved in all these meetings. No, he took over the offensive meetings last week, right? That's what happened. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things that he did was he was coaching the offensive linemen, like, directly, technique-wise, specifically, what he expects on certain plays. Like, he was going back to his Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator days. And so I'd be very interested in Bobby Johnson's answer about his response to that, how that made him feel as a coach. Uh, because he certainly kind of got his hands into, um, you know, the process of these coaches and really changed up how he's operating behind the scenes. I mean, it's it's how somebody operates when the pressure is on. So, you know, is Bobby Johnson a lot of these weeks who's interest, I'm most interested to talk to? And it's him again. <coughs> I also like talking to Jeff Nixon, the running backs coach. Uh, interesting guy. I think coach on the rise. Um you know, working with Saquon has worked with Christian McCaffrey before and also worked a lot with Jason, Jason Corbin, who had a great camp and who is now back, as I reported, signed off the Carolina Panthers practice squad. Jason's excited to be back. Um, he'll def, he'll be active on Sunday. That's why they got him. Another funny story or interesting story about Deion Jackson, the running back they signed um, off the Cl- Cleveland Browns practice squad. So quick story, Deion Jackson was actually set to become the Browns kick returner if he had hung around and they sent him down to the practice squad because they had to sign PJ Walker, the quarterback onto the active roster. When they did that, the giants were waiting and hit the gap. They, they shot the gap and they, and they snagged him and he played college ball with Daniel Jones um, he played high school ball with Andrew Thomas and here he is like three minutes before four o'clock. They're telling him, Hey, uh, by the way, the giants just claimed you, um, we got a, you know, a flight for you at, I, can't, I think he said it was like four o'clock and the flight was at seven 30 or something like that. And, um, so he, he was telling me Dion, he pa- had to pack up his stuff and his car essentially is at the Browns facility right now filled with a bunch of his stuff. He has a bag and two suitcases that he brought with him to New Jersey, New York. And, you know, the very next day there he is on the practice field with the Giants. So just a day in the life of a player there in the NFL. Um, Giants Chronicle says, I don't know how you guys deal with T-Mac every time he opens his mouth. It's a bunch of BS. The way he talks is like he coaches the best special teams unit in the NFL. Frankly, Giants Chronicles, I think he is – I think a lot of people are scared to talk with the way the Giants operate, you know, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, the way they monitor everything that's said about the organization, like Sterling Shepard, you know, uh, being sensitive about what he says, if he's going to get called up to the principal's office. John Michael Schmitz, the rookie right now, like won't talk basically about anything because it it seems like he's afraid of, you know, somebody saying he's talking too much, talking about injuries, whatever it is. Um, I think a lot of people are acting like that right now. Uh, Let's see. Jake says Dable has knowledge on the Jets defense. Use it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Mike Kafka can look at the Jets defense and say what needs to be done too. I think, I think Dable taking control is more about pressure being on him and pressure being on the team, you know, to win. Right. Um, let's see. So Giants Chronicle says someone should ask Bobby Johnson, why Tyree Phillips looks better coming from Philly than when he left. <laughs> Really tells you a lot about Bobby Johnson's coaching. I mean, uh, Tyree looked this way last year, though. Like he was serviceable last year when Bobby was coaching him in New York. Um, I thought what was crazy was like there was a there was a leak. I think it was in the post. There was a leak about like, oh, uh, Tyree Phillips slipped into some bad habits during camp. It's like who's leaking negative stuff about Tyree Phillips? Like what is going on here? Um, Rick Bowman says Deion Jackson, the 2023 Isaiah Hodgins. Hey. We'll see. That's a that's a good comp. Do you expect Deion Jackson to be in the kick return mix? Doug says. Doug, I uh I haven't seen him back there on the practice field. Um, you know, he is a practice squad. I haven't seen him back there with my own eyes, but I would say it would be wise of them to try him there if uh based on what Cleveland was about to do with him. But wouldn't put it past the Giants to completely ignore it because of course Jay Sean Corbin looked good as a returner as a rookie. And then they didn't use him as a returner at all this preseason. 
And, um, you know, frankly, don't think he's going to be used as one now. They need him at running back. But, you know, I think he'll I think he'll give something to their offense. Uh, who's the returner for us this week, says Hunter. Well, Gunnar Olszewski will be the punt returner. And then I think it'll be Olszewski and Paris Campbell as kick returner. That's how I see it. Um, let's see. Corbin or Dion going to get RB reps or just special teams? I think Corbin gets running back reps, uh, Chronicles. I think, you know, there's Saquon and Matt Breda, and then there's not another active running back, you know, behind them that was on, that's been on the team before. So, you know, that's going to be Jay Sean Corbin. I'm not sure if Dion's going to be active or not, uh, but Corbin is. You know, Corbin was signed off a practice squad to the active roster to play. That's what happened with Phillips last week. Um, Jake says, realistically, where do you see the Giants picking? Um, I would say by the end of the year, they're somewhere in the, you know, 7 to 12 range, probably. That's that's where I would put them. Um, Rick says, how long will they have five running backs, two tight ends, and three outside linebackers on the 53? Yeah, they got this guy, what, Justin Hollins, I think his name is, outside linebacker onto the practice squad this week. Um, maybe he ends up factoring into the mix. Not sure how quickly that'll happen. Uh, frankly, O'Shane Zimenez probably would give them some pass rush ability, but he also makes mistakes and commits penalties. So, you know, Taman Fox, um, you know, I, I do think, though, clearly, again, the way that the roster is constructed, the GM, the coach, like the GM's very involved. And with the offensive line problems that they have had and the injuries they have had, they've had to make a decision. Like they obviously don't want to go with three outside linebackers, um, but they've had to prioritize based on injuries and how bad the offense and the offensive line was. So I think that that's going to be the priority until they have it fixed and they might never have it fixed. Is there a chance Breda could be moved at the deadline? Hunter says, I doubt it. I mean, he's a Brian Dable guy, you know, Buffalo guy knows the offense. They trust him. That would surprise me. Giants Chronicle says we have no one that can catch a punt and not fumble it. What do we do? Sign another punt returner with fumbling problems. Great scouting by T Mac. Could have signed Mickens instead. Yeah, you know they. Sh I just thought it was crazy that he said, and this was T Mac to be honest to me saying something out of school like that probably pissed off the organization. But when he said they were just grooming Eric Gray to do it, even though they knew Crowder was good at it. Like that's crazy to say that an organization was putting a guy back there who wasn't earning the job and doing it well uh, or doing it as well. Um, and so that was eye-opening, still one of the most eye-opening quotes I've heard this off this season co uh, covering the Giants. And it also tells people like Mickens and Khalil Pimpleton and these other people who are in the organization in training camp that they never had a chance to win the job to begin with, which is crazy. Jake says, I want to either make a playoff push or get a top three pick. Yeah, but you know, John Mara and the Giants are not going to, you know, they're not into the tanking thing. Um, I have questioned a lot of their personnel decisions, whether or not it was putting them in the best position to win. You know, putting Josh Azudu at left tackle, for example, Sterling Shepard, uh, not playing at receiver when he looks good, putting him at punt returner and then benching him for bad punt returns, even though he's not a punt returner. Um, you know, uh, you know, Trey Hawkins keeps going out there at corner. Um, you know, good young player in the late round to develop, but like, you know, it's just driving me crazy. Eric Ray, obviously being a bad one at punt. Um, let's see. Curious. What is the best team result for page views? I assume elite team is number one and really, really crappy team is number two. Yeah, Matt, you're on that. And that's what I always tell people. Like if someone with the giants gets pissed at me for being critical or whatever, one of the things I say to them if they're being extremely unreasonable is like, don't you think I want the team to win? Like if you guys win a Super Bowl, I get to write a book about it and I get to, um, you know, like everyone's paying attention. Everybody's reading. People can't get enough Giants, can't get enough NFL. Like winning's good for everybody. It's good for everybody. Like start winning, right? No, no, I don't I don't like when the team loses. What are you kidding? Like I was, I was saying to Antoine, my colleague at the Daily News the other day, like I'm an expert in bad football. Like I am, I just am, uh, but you're right. It's really like the elite team is number one. And then like the total dumpster fire is number two. Uh, where is pimp now? He had so much potential. We never gave him a single shot because we have Eric Gray wild. Not sure. Not sure. I think he's a free agent, but um, not totally sure. Let's look it up real quick. Khalil Pimpleton. Yeah, he's a free agent. 
Um, all right. Let's see. Chronicle says Shep needs to get way more offensive snaps. What's going on with Sterling Shepard? Rick says, we're going to end on this Shepard question, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, Rick says, what's going on with Shep? Yeah, I mean, I think Shep at this point, it's like he's grateful to have a, um, let's see. I think, you know, it's good for him to have a spot on this roster. The Giants have done right by him there. But he's also played well enough to earn a role. And the fact they have this kind of leash on him, you know, I think he's doing a good job not saying as much as he probably could. And um, I think Saquon spoke up for him very strongly when he said, we're not talking about that. He's not, he's basically playing out of position at punt return. So listen, you guys can tell from my reporting that everyone, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, the culture's changed. Look how every, look how great everything is with the Giants. And very clearly there are things going on like this guy's situation that are not that great. Um, and so, you know, Dable taking control of the offensive meetings, Dable benching Sterling Shepard for a muffed punt when he shouldn't be playing there to begin with, um, you know, uh, yelling at players on the sideline, those kind of things. I think Shep has done an admirable job um, kind of managing his emotions and his expectations through this. Uh, so what is going on? Um, I think he should be, I think he should be playing more. Jake says, if you weren't a Giants beat writer, you'd totally be a Giants fan. I don't want to hear it, Pat. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, any stories to make a point on that we didn't ask about, Pat? I think just keep, 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 keep an eye on two things. One, uh, Dable still being as involved as he is. This is a bigger story than is being talked about in other places. Um, mainly because I got to the information that he had taken control of the offensive meetings and no one else did. And so a lot of people are either ignoring it or don't want to talk about it because obviously it kind of heightens the pressure uh, of everything. But you guys saw in my story at the game, you know, Darren Waller acknowledging it, Saquon Barkley acknowledging it. And, um, you know, this is a real thing that's happening. And what it indicates is the pressure on the Giants to win and then the pressure on Brian Dable to fix it and especially to fix the offense that was a laughing stock at the beginning of this year and a team that was non-competitive until they got to about their what the Buffalo Bill game Bills game for the most part um outside of like some of the play against the Niners and the second half against the Cardinals I mean so that's what I think Giants Chronicles I think stay focused on that and also as Dable saying we're not going to trade Saquon. Like I said, like I started, I'm going to finish with this. Um, saying definitively we're not trading a guy who could actually bring like a huge offer to you after this Jets game. Like I think that's a crazy thing to do, frankly. Even if you do, even if you don't think you should trade him, you're you're basically saying don't call us. Like I, I don't know. It's I don't get it. I don't, that's strange. Um, so you know. I think staying on top of Saquon, how he plays in this game, how he uh, acts up to and through the trade deadline, even though Dable said he's going to be here. So it's trade deadline stuff. It's Dable still running stuff behind the scenes and heightening the pressure and uh, kind of has his, his hands and everything now because of how things are going. Justin Pugh in the offensive line dinners. Um, you know, take a look at that story that I put into the chat. And yep, that's right, Rick. Screwball Thursday. Thanks for being open and doing this. Cheers. Appreciate you, Rick. Doug says, thanks for the insight, Pat, from the halftime to the fourth quarter. You know it. And this has been our uh, our live chat, our Talking Ball Giants live Q&A. You guys are awesome. Uh, this community is so great. I can't wait to do the post game after this Jets game. I really can't uh, wait. Thanks, Chronicles. Jake says, I wouldn't accept a second round pick for Saquon. I think he's a difference maker on offense and the team isn't the same without him. You can argue he makes Jones look better and Jones doesn't look great. Jake says, thanks, Pat. You the man. You guys are awesome. Remember, subscribe to the YouTube page, rate, review, leave us a review, five stars on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Give us the likes here before you leave. Um, super chats and super stickos, stickers. Tudo, thank you for supporting us. Uh, remember, we are sponsored by Bet Online. We are also sponsored by Estate 98. It's an Essencia de Cafe from El Salvador from 1798. You pour it in a glass, throw some ice in, stir it, drink it. I drink it all the time when I'm doing the Talking Ball pod. 
Obviously, I'm drinking Screwball now. It's finished, which means the podcast is over. You guys are awesome. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.